Welcome to On Fighting in Thailand, the best news and analysis covering the economics and infrastructure of Muay Thai. I'm Matt Lucas, journalist, commentator, and ex-Muay Thai fighter. Make stronger fighters, make stronger people. Today we will be talking to Nas... Nash Keshwala as part of our series on promoting, specifically the Muay Thai World Cup. Uh, a little bit of news first. If you'd like to reach me, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm very active there, Matt Lucas BKK, or email me at a period Matt period Lucas at gmail.com. Again, that's a period Matt period Lucas at gmail.com. I also have a website, www dot matt m-a-t-t dash lucas l-u-c-a-s dot com uh thanks everyone that has supported me so far sharing the podcast or leaving reviews telling your friends about it if you'd like to leave a review that would be super helpful you can do so on the itunes store uh, i also want to personally thank Vinny scotto patrick rivera dave brooks sean madden and will windell galano chris and Chris Tran for helping me get going recently. I broke my camera, they helped me out, and I really appreciate it. Um, I just finished editing a Behind the Fight featuring Wonder Girl Fairtex, so I think I will put that out later this week. Um, I think on Sunday, but we'll see what happens. Um, I'd also like to thank my sponsor, uh, Nakmoy Legends, for their continued support of the show. They create some great Muay Thai apparel with portions of the proceeds going back to the legends they celebrate. All the superstars have been paid for their images as well. Check out their gear at www.nakmoylegends.com. Um, use On Fighting to get 15% off your order. So again, that's uh, www.nakmuayleagends.com and the discount code is onfighting O-N-F-I-G-H-T-I-N-G um, so a little bit of my spelling and pronunciation skills in effect right there um, I also wrote a series of interconnected Muay Thai short stories some time ago. The fast-paced book, The Boxer's Soliloquy, was published back in 2014, but still remains a strong read. I'm hoping to work on a new book in the future, a non-fiction book. I'm plugging away at it. Um, but this one you can pick up off of uh, Amazon, or you can read it as an ebook there. Uh, again, the boxer soliloquy. So, boxers uh, and soliloquy is a little difficult. S O L I L O Q U Y. Thanks as always to Patrick Rivera for helping me get the show started. Uh, he is having a Muay Thai business seminar in San Diego in early February. I highly encourage people to attend. If you aren't a member, um, I would also suggest you join the Muay Thai business community on Facebook. It's an international group for business advice and growth. There's some uh, really knowledgeable gems in there. So a little bit about my subject today, Nash Keshwala, who is going to be refereeing and officiating the upcoming Muay Thai World Cup on November 20th, or um, I'm sorry, it's 
uh, coming up this weekend, November 30th, um, in Calgary, Canada. So he's flying out from London. Uh, Nash actually began officiating back in 1996. He did some work with IFMA and joined the British Thai Council. He's worked with a bunch of different organizations, the WMC, the WMA, and of course the WBC. He trained out of Sasi Prapa Gym and now helps run Raja Nair Suwan Gym in London, uh, in the UK rather. Um, so Nash is very, very experienced, knows the ropes, and is a real uh, valuable addition to the team. So without further ado, the interview with Nash. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Nash. I really appreciate you taking your time out. Um, I know you have a busy schedule and you're about to head to Canada soon, correct? Yes, that's correct. Yes, I'm, I'm off to Canada on Thursday, um, supervising the um, WBC fights on the Kieran Kettle show in Calgary. So how did you get involved with the Muay Thai Cup and with Kieran Kettle? Um, well, Muay Thai, like I said, I've been involved in Muay Thai since 1995 um, under the guidance of Tony Myers and Master Takun at the Sausage Papa Gym in Bangkok, um, who were both my trainers there. Kieran and obviously his brother, Alan Kettle, were very, very good friends of mine back in the day because they also used to belong to the British Thai Boxing Council. So I've known Kieran since he, you know, since he was the age of 11. And, um, you know, we go back a long way. We used to um, obviously see each other on the circuits and I've, I've refereed many of uh, Kieran's fights and Alan, his brother's fights as well back in the day. Uh, we used to see each other quite a lot at the um, Battersea Park and the Thai festivals back in the day when we used to do the exhibitions for the Thai Embassy, you know, for the British Thai Boxing Councils, and that's how we really got to know each other. And uh, Kieran's obviously fought on a couple of my events as well, um, you know, the WBC, the WBC events that I did um, back in 2006. Kieran fought um, for a world title fight, for a WBC world title fight against Dan Thai mm-hmm. in 2006 at the River Stadium in Reading. So you've obviously known him for quite some time. How about how did you get involved with the WBC? I know you've worked. You initially started with uh, IFMA World Championship, and you've done a lot of work with the BTC, the British uh, Thai Council. But how did you get involved in the WBC? The WBC came along because obviously, you know, I originally started my training in boxing. And and I you know I've always felt that the, the boxing and the Thai boxing of us always had close links, and I think it's back in two thousand and five I wrote to Jose Suleiman who was the um, president of the WBC the World Boxing Council, um, you know just to obviously introduce myself and see if there was any possibility of, you know the World Boxing Council getting involved with Muay Thai you know trying to promote the act you know the, promote the sport and get it you know a little bit more mainstream. And luck would have it, he had just met with the Thai um, king um, just a year before I contacted him. And for the same reason, the Thai you know, king asked Jose Suleiman to obviously you know, help him promote Muay Thai outside of Thailand. So the timing was right for me when I contacted um, Jose Suleiman about the introduction of WBC to Muay Thai. So you know, they wrote back to me um, asking me to get involved you know, as a UK representative. So 
You know, I went along to the convention in Cadiz, in Spain, in 2005, I believe, mm-hmm. and then hosted my first uh, WBC world title event at the Wembley Conference Centre with John Wen Parr versus Steve Wakeling for mm-hmm. the WBC middleweight title here, ever, you know, the first ever title to be held in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty awesome. It must have been quite an experience. I mean, John Wayne Parr is uh, obviously a legend. Steve Wakelin is uh, well-known in uh, Europe and the UK. Uh, so I know now, though, you're moving into supervising fights. What's the difference in terms of uh, between officiating and then supervising? And what are you actually doing when you're supervising the bouts? Well, um, back in October at the, obviously I've been involved with WBC for quite a long time now. Um, Because I was promoting, I felt at that time there was a bit of conflict of interest, me actually being on the committee as a UK chairman and promoting at the same time. So, but I obviously I don't promote anymore. So basically back in October 2000. And what was 2018 in, at the annual, the the annual general convention in Kiev in Ukraine, which is organised by Vladimir Klitschkov, I was elected the UK chairman for the WBC. So basically, my responsibility is to promote the WBC national title fights in the UK. What I do is obviously, mm-hmm. you know, when promoters look to have a WBC national title fight in the UK, it's my responsibility to make sure that the two fighters competing are actually experienced enough and, you know, recognised enough in the UK to actually fight for that green belt. So basically the bouts are approved by me, you know, on the conditions that the the fighters meet the requirements, you know, that WBC set. Once the bout is approved, then basically at the event, it's my job to go there and officiate the actual fight and supervise the, the title fight, making sure that the fighters understand the rules, they know the weight division that they've got to come in at, and obviously the officials all understand the WBC scoring criteria. So everyone is singing from the same hymn ship, so nobody's left in the dark, basically. So, you know, I just make sure that the, the fight, the WBC fight is run fairly, so there's no um, biased, you know, opinions by any of the judges. So when they score the cards, obviously the scorecards come to me and for me to obviously just observe and make sure they've actually scored it correctly. You know, if there's any discrepancies, obviously then it's my job to make you know, to understand and make sure that the judges understand and try and, you know, speak to them and see you know, why they scored it that way. So it's basically making sure that the fight is scored fairly for both fighters. Because as you know, in the UK, most of the judges and the officials all run their own gyms and they're all promoters as well. And sometimes, you know, you know, not, not intentionally, but because they know the fighters, sometimes they get a little bit swayed, you know, by looking at them more than they do the mm-hmm. opponent. So, you know, my mm-hmm. job is to make sure that everything is done, you know, fairly and above board. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I think it's pretty hard to remain impartial, especially if you know the fighters in any capacity. Um, for the WBC and its rules, uh, do you feel there's a difference between, say, the WBC rules and a lot of what the other rule sets that happen in the UK and internationally? No, the, the, there, is, there isn't much difference. The only difference is, and people obviously just make uh, a meal out of it, WBC score every round as an individual fight. You know, so... Mm-hmm. 
Yes, you know, so it's obviously all set by the, you know, the, the Sports Authority of Thailand and Lumpini Stadium. So the scoring system is how it's supposed to be back in Thailand. But people obviously have a, you know, there's a lot of interpretation of how Muay Thai should be scored. And, you know, no, but not everybody agrees with the way the WBC score it. Um, but I don't understand the reasoning behind that because it's scored the way it should be back in Thailand. So, you know, the only difference we have is, you know, it's, it's, it's run alongside the boxing where every individual round is scored, you know, separately. So, you know, we always want a winner of every round, you know, if we can help it. Yeah, I remember uh, I was there for the Louis Kajaba, Chad Collins, uh, WBC Diamond Bell at Lumpini. Um, and Kevin Nolan's uh, uh, secretary for the WBC out here was explaining the rules to the fighters. And it was very simple, you know, every round is counted. And then I think the only additional um, factor was you can't do 12 to 6 elbows. Is that correct? That that used to be back in the day, yeah. So I think as of last year, that, that is changed now. So you can do the 12 to 6 elbow, but not obviously to the back of the head, oh. if you know what I mean. So on top of the head, it's allowed now. Mm. Um, yeah, that that was banned for quite a few years uh, in the UK as well by the WPC. But I believe now, I think uh, six months ago, they actually you know brought that back in again. Why was it initially banned? Do you know why? They they just felt that it was a dangerous you know place to actually throw an elbow. So you know because people haven't got view of the elbow coming down. Obviously you've got the brain up there, so mm-hmm. you know it was just for the protection, you know, for the fighter basically. As you know, the WBC are very very hot on you know safety of the fighter. Hence why you know the rules and regulations are very very strict. You know they they're not there to manipulate or anything else. So, um, but I think obviously with the pressure they receive from. I suppose the Thai authorities and in Lumpini Stadium and everything else, they you know, they've basically brought that back into play. And then uh, for some of the weight issues, is it always day before weigh-ins for any WBC sanctioned bout, and how is that dealt with? Yeah, the WBC, like you said, in boxing for all WBC fights, whether they're national titles or European or you know world titles, international, they're all day before weigh-ins. Again, this is you know to do with safety. You know, it's, you know, we, we we don't really want any fighters not making weight. What I tend to do is I tend to keep in touch with the promoter, you know, week by week basis leading up to the fight, making sure that they're in touch with the coaches and everything else, making sure the fighters are actually well, on weight because the last thing we well, want is anybody having to lose weight on the day, which is not a good thing, you know, with dehydration and everything else. So, yeah, so we always make sure that the fighters obviously, you know, fully understand that they've got to come in, you know, on the way, on the day of the weigh-in. Um, we want to try and avoid, you know, fighters losing, you know, losing weight on the day, with, you know, skipping, sauna, whatever, you know, for health health and safety reasons. So we always do the weigh-ins on the day before. And then do you only allow the fighters to cut a certain percentage of their weight, as in, or they have to be at a certain weight by a certain date? They have to be on weight within the weight category on the day of the weigh-in. Mm-hmm. Um, hence, why we don't have, we don't allow you know on the day weigh-ins because we don't want anybody to lose weight. And you know, if 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 they put in for that category, then it's their responsibility to come in on weight. You know, you have so many organisations where you know where they allow 
fighters to come in overweight, you know, two kilos, three kilos. Um, unfortunately, WBC, you know, we don't allow that. We want to make sure that the fighters come in on weight. And, you know, that's why we try and keep in touch with them all the way through the process to ensure that the coaches are weighing them regularly. And, you know, so they understand the, the importance of, you know, coming in. But, you know, because that, that way they're all hydrated and they've, you know, the nutrition and everything else is done, you know, professionally and correctly. So there's no danger to the fighter on the day. And you've worked with a few different associations like the British Thai Council and you, like I said before, you got started with IFMA. What do you feel is the difference between the WBC and some of these other organizations? It's it's a lot more professional. Uh, the WBC are obviously trying to take Muay Thai to the next level, working in conjunction with the you know with the boxing um, you know, side of their business. So um, there's a lot of influence there on the rules and you know the, the weigh-ins, the weight categories, everything else is run alongside the World Boxing Council. So I feel it's just a, a professional level because you know WBC only sanction professional fights. They won't. You know, they won't touch any amateur events or things like that. So I just feel that it's the right way for the sport to go. Sorry. And uh, you've mainly worked in the UK, but this is your first trip over to Canada, correct? Um, no, this is my first. I've worked obviously a long time, so... I'm not sure of the exact date. I believe in 2009, I went over to France, Paris, to officiate the Yodson Clyde versus um, Farid, I forget his surname. Oh, uh, um, uh, something with a V, Valem, uh, V-A, that's uh, right, yeah. Valum or something like that. Valium. Yeah, so yeah, I went over, I was obviously you know, asked to go over there and you know, represent the WBC for that world title fight, being the head judge there for that fight. Um, so, you know, we travel there. Um, but, but apart from that, at the moment, I'm just UK-based because we've just launched the U- uh, European WBC title fight. So um, Daniel Suarez, who is obviously the chairman for Europe, he's obviously looking after that. But, you know, obviously Canada was the first trip that I've made because Kieran, um, obviously I'm helping Kieran write his first event there. And him being me with the WBC, they don't really have uh, professional officials out there in Canada because the sport mm. is very amateur, and this is a professional event that he's trying to promote there. So he asked me to obviously come there and help him and try and train the officials. And so he's got a pool of officials for future events. Mm-hmm. Um, so WBC, obviously, you know, they know my background in officiating. I've got the experience. I've been around a long time. Um, you know, they were happy for me to go over there. So I was there in June this year um, to train up some of their officials. We had quite a good turnout. I think we had about 60, 60 70 uh, candidates who turned up for the seminar. Mm-hmm. Um, so we held, a training, we held a training course over two days and, um, you know, just making sure that they understand the scoring criteria and how it runs. Um, you know, it is a professional body. So, you know, we expect everyone to behave professionally and, you know, in all their mannerism, the, the, the clothes they wear and everything else. So, you know, hopefully after this event, um, you know, Kieran should have a pool of, you know, pool of some officials that he can use for future events there for professional events. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that you just mentioned was some of the clothing things. What specifically do the referees and officials of the WBC have to wear? 
Well, it's not something that we say they have to wear, but we want all the officials to be dressed the same. You know, we don't want them coming in, you know, wearing jeans or, you know, just T-shirts, you know, with, you know, club names on it. It's fine, you know, it, the, usually the promoters obviously supply uh, the referees, with, you know, with T-shirts or shirts, you know, with their, the promotion logo, something like that. We don't, we don't mind that. We don't actually say that they have to wear WBC you know, logos on their shirts. You know, it's nice if they can, but we understand, you know, that it's not something that, you know, we can supply to everybody. So as long as, you know, the, all the officials are dressed the same, you know, we do ask them to try and obviously wear, sh you know, black shirt for the officials um, so they all look the same and uniformed. It just makes it, it just gives it that professional, it just gives it that professional look. And people tend to behave, you know, differently as well when they're dressed differently, I, I you know, I believe as well. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, what were some of the other uh, aspects that you taught during this uh, referee training course? What were the aspects, sorry, yeah. you mean? Yeah, what specifically did you teach people? Basically, it's just obviously going through the scoring criteria of the WBC, like, you know, obviously explaining to them that every round is scored the same. Mm -hmm. Every technique is you know, scored, scored the same. There's no one technique that scores more than the other. Mm -hmm. um, it's just about conduct of the fighters, uh, um, you know, just to be aware of, you know, how fighters behave in the ring, you know, looking at ways how, you know, fighters are trying to, you know, look for extra time and just, you know, e even behaving, not behaving correctly in the ring, you know, just showing disrespect to the opponents and, you know, things like that. And the, and the trainers and coaches as well, it's about how they, how they behave in the corner as well. Um, you know, because obviously, because this is a professional organization, we expect not just the referees to be professional and the officials, judges, everyone else. We expect the fighters to be professional. We expect the coaches to be professional as well at all levels, you know, trying to avoid, you know, standing up in front of the ring and you know, banging. I don't know. It's a, it's a European thing about banging on the canvas all the time, you know, when, when their fighters are in there, putting their hands through the ropes, etc. you know, so... You know, we try and explain to them, saying, look, you know, we, we the officials to say, look, it's your responsibility as well to make sure that the coaches understand how to behave on the day as well. And again, you know, they've got yeah, to Yeah, I've definitely in. seen uh, uh, coaches slam their hands on the uh, ring before. I've done it before when I've uh, gotten excited about a fighter. And at least out, out here in Thailand, a lot of people will put their hands through the rope all the time too. Yeah. I mean, we feel obviously, you know, putting the ropes, you know, hands on the ropes, it, it, you know, it adds tension to the other side of the ropes as well, which makes it dangerous for the fighters as well. You know, so, you know, we try and say to them, look, I understand you're, you know, you're overexcited, everything else. You know, by all means, shout as much as you want, you know, give instructions as much as you want, but you don't need to lean into the ring or lean on the ropes, you know. In, in boxing, they don't do that. You know, mm. so, you know, you don't, it's just education, you know, it's because it's been, there's it's been allowed for so long you know people think it's a norm now you know it's, yeah. you know banging on the canvas and just you know putting their hands through there putting their heads through there and it's also sometimes it could be dangerous as well because you know you've got your hand in there you, you know if the fires are very close to you and you've got your head in there you, you know if a kick's coming through you can get kicked or hurt as well at the same time but you know it's just about just using your common sense and saying look you know i understand you're a coach or you know you're a parent whatever you're in the corner but you know, just 
you know, give instructions, you know, accordingly, but you don't have to slam on the canvas and stuff like that because it, they don't do that in Thailand. They don't do yeah. that in boxing. You know? mm. And plus, you know, people have paid good money for ringside tickets as well to come and see the fight. And, you know, if you're standing up, you know, all three of you in the corner standing up and blocking views you know, for the audience, it, it's, again, it's not a good thing, is it, really? So. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so, you know, we, we, do, we do ask them to stay seated as well, you know, as much mm. as possible. And uh, you've done a fair amount of refereeing yourself. Uh, why, and you said before off air that you really enjoy it. Why do you enjoy it so much? I love it. I, I, I love being in that thick of the action, you know. It's as close as you can get, you know, after, you know, when you're not competing. You're in that ring. Um, you know, I, I just, I, it's obviously, it's a passion for me to, you know, to do a refereeing job really well. Because, you know, I, I love this sport so much. And the last thing I want to see is any, you know, two fighters get hurt and, you know, for their safety as well and for the sport as well. So, you know, I've always you know, had a big, great passion to try and promote this sport as much as I can. So I've always believed that, you know, the referees play a big part in this sport. If, you know, if you have a bad referee, then you're going to have a bad fight. Injuries will happen and, it, you know, it just gives us bad, you know, bad press and publicity as well for the sport as well. So that was my main aim because back in the day when I was refing, there weren't many referees around. Um, there weren't any qualifications, people, you know, just refing fights. And I just thought, you know what, you know, you just look, you're asking for, you know, for danger here, you're asking for someone to get injured, you know. So, you know, I took it upon myself to obviously get properly qualified and just understand the safety aspect of the ring. And I brought that passion into the ring. So I'm really, really passionate about, you know, promoting this sport the right way. And my biggest thing is I, when I do my ring talk, you know, my the officials talk before the fight, I always tell them, regardless of what decisions, you know, comes out, my job is to make sure the fighters are safe in that ring. You know, so, yeah. you know, so please, you know, try and respect, you know, not just my decision, but any referees, you know. So, you know, as a coach and a manager, you have different views of your fighter. But as a referee, we have no vetted interest in the fighter winning. We just want to make sure that the fighters live day you know whether who wins or loses it's not that's not my that's not my concern you know if, if i've gone through an event there's been no injuries everyone they can live to work again tomorrow or the next day and come back and fight next week that's i've i've had a really good day yeah um how when you're acting as a referee how can you tell when a fighter is hurt or can maybe power through it um you know maybe they've taken an account what are signs that you're looking for what, to see if a boxer is hurt and or cognizant? It's body language, isn't it? Obviously, you're communicating with them all the time. Um, when you're giving them the standing count, you're looking at them. You're asking them to look at you in the eye. You know, you look at their, you know, body, they're shaking, you know, their eyes, obviously, they're not glazed, you know. So, you know, it's all of those, like you said, it's all in the body language of you know, knowing something's going to happen. So, again, you know, having that experience if you're an experienced referee you can see something coming before it actually happens you know so i try not to always end the fight on a knockout if i can see the knockouts coming you know i won't subject the fighter to any more you know injuries if i can help it so you know we'll give them a standing count you know we'll always make sure that they you know once i finish the eight count we'll always ask them to step forward so when they step forward how do they look on their legs are they still you know shaking are they still wobbly if they're still wobbly then you know obviously you, you really don't want that fight to go on. You know, you ask 
step forward and you ask them to keep their hands up and you ask them to acknowledge your conversation that you're having can you hear me you know if they say yes then you know that at least they can communicate at that level. and all of that has to happen very quickly as well it's not you know you've not got you know you can't give the fighter any more rest and then that's needed after the eight count so it's all about body language and you know just look and obviously looking through the fight as well sometimes you know if it's been a mismatch you know you understand that one fighter is on on top all the time so you're always looking for the weaker fighter just trying to protect him as much as you possibly can so he's not looking to get knocked out mm. and when you are um refereeing do you how do you position yourself in relationship to the boxers um i try and stay out of their way obviously because i don't want you know we are, we are the third man in the in the ring you know, as we're called but obviously you don't want to be too close to the fires because then you're putting them off as well. Because if you're too close, then, you know, they, they may think that they're going to, you know, obviously with a technique going to connect with others as well. So it's being far enough and close enough to intervene when you need to as well. So, you know, it's obviously being, it's just being on your toes all the time. So you're not always, you know, five yards away from the fighter. You know, I normally always, you know, I'm quite strict when I get in there. I don't want to interfere with the fighters, you know, it's trying to separate them. I always tell them that, you know, I need you to listen to my commands all the time. You know, so I've got control of the fight with voice more than action. Mm. Uh, you know, I've never, ever had, you know, in the 25 years of refereeing, I've never had an issue in the ring with fighters not obeying my commands because, you know, I'm in control. They know it's, you know, it's my ring and it's, it's me that's in control of that fight. You know, and if they listen to me, they'll they'll continue fighting for as long as they can. You know, I don't want to keep stopping a fight every five seconds, every 10 seconds, you know, because the fighters are just clinching and doing nothing. You know, like we said, people, you know, they're entertainers at the end of the day. They've come to entertain the crowd. The crowd, the crowd want to see a fight. So, you know, I've got to try and keep that action going as much as possible. And with me, obviously, standing too close as well, you know, the public can't see what's going on. Judges and referees can't score, you know, what they need to score. Yeah. So it's just about keeping that distance, safe distance. And, you know, unlike traditional boxing, obviously, you know, they don't have to step in as much. Whereas in Muay Thai, as you know, we've, you know, we've got to step in quite quickly sometimes, you know, with the knees and elbows and stuff being thrown all the time. You know, occasionally, you know, I've taken the odd, you know, knee to the, leg and thighs and everything else because I'm jumping in when I see a knee just about to go to the yeah. head and I'm trying to protect the fighter so you know it's it's part and parcel of the game um, you know you do you know if you're passionate about the job there will be injuries to you, yourself as well so you know I'm quite a hands-on referee I love it keeps me on my toes as well you know it keeps me focused all the time yeah that's good um and so um, you've also done some work in uh, cages before, correct? Uh, both cage boxing fights and cage Muay Thai? Yeah, I don't particularly enjoy them, to be honest with you. It's it's a really confined space, you know. That for the like, you know, for the fighters, there's nowhere to run. You know, you've not got the ropes to rely on to bounce back. And, you know, even for the referee as well, you know, it's just being caged in. Uh, I don't particularly enjoy refereeing inside a cage. And it's strange, you know, having a Muay Thai fight in a cage as well. Um, but, yeah, I've done a fair few of those. Um, not too many, but, you know, I've done, I have done a couple of them. Yeah. yeah, I saw some photos of you working in a cage and was just curious about your thoughts about it because it's uh, definitely becoming a little more popular, especially with uh, some 
on championship belts held in a cage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's becoming popular, yeah, with um, with all this, you know, the half-glove um, thing that they do now with Muay Thai, you know. Um, even with the Lethwai tournaments that are coming on, you know, it's like bare-knuckle sort of fighting. Uh, it's, it's not something that I'm very keen on getting involved, so I try and stay away from that kind of stuff because my passion's in the traditional Muay Thai and the WBC side of stuff. So, you know, obviously these people that friends and things like that have obviously done the Muay Thai in, in the cage you know our old friends and stuff like that so they know you know my background in refereeing so they you know they ask me to help out so I you know obviously it's just a favor I try and do but I try not to do them as often as I can it's not something I mm-hmm. enjoy doing because that's not the sport that I fell in love with so and you've done some boxing refereeing versus um and some Muay Thai what are some of the differences in actually working the fights between boxing and Muay Thai? Um, I feel Muay Thai is, you've got to be really alert in Muay Thai. You know, like I said, because we're not just throwing hands, there's elbows, knees, everything else. And I feel boxing, you, you lose a lot of concentration if you're refereeing, you know, quite a lot about doing the UK. You know, sometimes you have 15, 20 fights and just doing boxing just becomes mundane you know it's, it's just the same thing all the time you know the fighters tend to clinch a lot so there's not much going on and you tend to be breaking up the fights so many times you know like i mentioned earlier i'm you know i don't like to intervene with the fight too long whereas in muay thai you know the fight continues you know the fighters are throwing you know kicks knees elbows everything in the clinch as well you know and you tend, they tend to listen to you more when you tell them to break. They tend to break without you having to intervene. Whereas in boxing, they clinch a lot, you know, but nothing actually happens in the clinch. And when you're trying to, when you ask them to break, they don't break. So you're having to keep stepping in and pushing them apart. And as soon as you push them apart, within five seconds, they're clinching again, you know. So it's just mm. something, I just feel boxing just sometimes, obviously, you know, the lower level, not the pros, they, it's very untidy. You know, it's really untidy. Mm. And when it's untidy, you you tend to lose that motivation in the ring as well. You know, and you're just like, what you're looking to do is, oh, when's this fight going to be over? Because it, it's just not exciting. You know, so I don't find the lower level boxing is as... Um, and then, of course, uh, oh, sorry. Um, and then you are also going over to Canada for this, uh, for a series of WBC bouts. Um, what is it like uh, sort of bringing the WBC over to Canada? I don't believe there's been much of a WBC presence in uh, North America, correct? Yeah, correct. Yeah, absolutely correct. It's a huge thing what Kieran's doing over there. Um, you know, obviously he's not had a lot of support from what I hear from from the organizations over there because this is the first professional Muay Thai event that's ever taken place in, in Calgary. And, you know, with, with the WBC, obviously, as well, this is the first time the WBC are working in Canada as well. But it's, it's a huge thing you know, that Kieran is doing, and it's a huge prospect for us with the WBC. And it's it's a great honour and privilege for me to, you know, represent the WBC in Canada. I'm really looking forward to this event. Um, the, the fighters there are absolutely amazing. You know, they're there. So he's got some great talent out there, you know, which needs to be exposed to the world as well. So, you know, he's going to be working with to try and get some of the Canadian fighters over there ranked, you know, with the WBC ranking so they can fight for world title fights and, you know, give give them the opportunity that they deserve. 
And just sort of uh, closing up, what are some of the things that people don't realize about refereeing and officiating that maybe you would like them to know the about? The biggest gripe I have in refereeing, like I said, I love this job. I love it so much, and I love you know. I want to make you know make sure that I do a great job for you know for the promoters and the fighters. But the biggest gripe I have is the coaches and trainers. They don't understand the role of the referees, and some of them don't understand the scoring criteria as well. You know, so I always make it make you know try and make them understand. Say, listen, you know, at the end of the day, you know, your first responsibility should be the safety of your fighter. I understand that you you know you want your fighter to win, but what you see as a as your coach and what the judges and the referees see are two completely different things. And I always tell the cornermen, the coaches, to go and get themselves onto a judge's you know, seminar or course so they understand what the judges see. Because once they understand, they can train their fighters to win fights on points and not always look for, you know, for knockout. Because you know, like you said, you know, they're passionate in the corner. If the fighter's got the upper hand, you know, they're, they're screaming at them, the crowd are getting behind them, but they're not actually scoring points. You know, and that's what the judges see and that's what the cornermen don't tend to understand. And then when the fight's over, you know, they... You know, it's very unprofessional because they jump in the ring. You know, they they sort of confront the referees and the judges as well, you know, at ringside and you know, in view of everybody saying, you know, swearing. And, it, it, you know, they just, I always tell them to say, listen, I understand you're disappointed, but just all I'm asking you to do is go away, calm down, look at the fight again, you know, from a different angle tomorrow when you're a little bit calm. And then if you still feel the same that your fighter won, put it in writing to me. You know, make you know, making all your points and why you think. And if we feel you've got justification there, you know, we'll review it again. But on the day, you know, you see something completely different to what the judges see. The judges are not there to show favoritism. You know, they're they're the, you know, we we're all volunteers. We don't get paid much to do this. We do it out of love of the sport. You know, so why do we want to try and you know show a fight of fate? You know, some favoritism. It, it just doesn't help us. The promoters will never use us again if we show that. You know, so you know we're just there to make sure that yeah. the, you know the fires are scored correctly and that they're safe. So that's my biggest gripe. You know, some the, the, the cornermen and the coaches and the managers don't really appreciate the job the officials do. You know, like we said, we give up our time. You know, we spend you know twelve hours a day. You know, giving up our Saturdays and Sundays to do this for, like you said, you know, it's for pennies. If you look at the hourly rate that we get for it, it's not much. You know, it, it just pays for our time. You know, it, it, obviously it helps, but it's just that we have so much passion for this sport, you know, to make sure they know everything's done correctly, but the managers and coaches don't help. You know, and it, it sometimes, you know, you do feel, you know, do I really want to go and take this abuse every time I go and referee? You know, even though, you know, that's why I try and make a point every time before a fight to try and make the coaches understand, you know, please, you know, just... You know, I know you're passionate about your fight and winning, but just try and understand the scoring system and why the referees and judges make their decisions the way they do. And if you really, really strongly disagree, don't show that emotion on the day. Go and calm down. Have a look at the fight tomorrow, day after, and then, you know, come back and speak to us. Yeah, that's uh, some really good advice. Um, just wrapping things up, was there anything we didn't want, uh, we didn't talk about that you would have liked to talk about? No, not really. I mean, obviously, this I think this interview is more about uh, the event in Canada. So you know, and 
I don't really want to make it too much about myself. It's about the event in Canada and what what the great work Kieran's doing out there. Um, you know, and I really, really hope that people in Canada get behind him on this. You know, the associations out there, for, you know, for the martial arts, everything else he's doing out there. Um, you know, if I'm, I know this event will be really successful for him, he's got some great people behind him. Um, and you know, I just want to wish Kieran and all the Canadian fighters on, you know, the best of luck on the day. And I really look forward to catching up with them this weekend and, you know, and obviously putting the WBC on, on the map in Canada. All right. Well, thank you so much again for taking your time out and talking to me, Nash. No, thank you. So thank you for the opportunity, Matt. Uh, you know, first interview I've had in all these years that I've been doing the fishing. So, you know, I hope, you know, you've got what you needed from me and my passions come through as well. Awesome. Awesome. So that concludes the interview with Nash. Uh, I thought it was really interesting hearing about some of the officiating, some of the policies behind the WBC, also getting a little more context on what it's like being the third man in the ring. Uh, so again, the he'll be officiating and refereeing, putting, helping put together the Muay Thai World Cup show, which is this Saturday, November 30th in Calgary, Canada. Um, and a little bit to end things off, as always, uh, thank you to my sponsors, Nakmoy Legends and Patrick Rivera. Um, if you'd like to reach out to me, you can always hit me up on Instagram, at LucasBKK, or email me at a.matt.lucas at gmail.com. Thanks to everyone that's supported me so far. I really appreciate it. Uh, you've been listening to I'm Fighting in Thailand news and analysis covering the economics and the infrastructure of Muay Thai. I'm Matt Lucas, journalist, commentator, and ex-Muay Thai fighter. Make stronger fighters, make stronger people.